In the UK, 2020, 80% of freight was moved by road and 90% of passenger miles were travelled by road. It's considered a high-carbon form of transport today, but this is changing as new technology is rapidly making electric vehicles and alternative fuels more attractive. The UK government has indicated that sale of new petrol and diesel cars will be phased out by 2030, and the Transport Decarbonisation Plan puts Britain on a trajectory to do the same for heavy goods vehicles from 2040. With the decarbonisation of road transport, its popularity is only expected to increase, with traffic levels set to be higher in 2050 than they are today. Even juggernaut investments in rail, such as High Speed 2, are expected to take just 1-3% to of traffic off the strategic road network. Those are the main roads and motorways managed by National Highways, formerly Highways England, rather than local authorities. Road travel provides a convenient, low-cost and practical way for ordinary people to travel outside of major cities. And this is reflected by preferences, with 80% of families owning a car in the UK today. National Highways has the net zero by 2050 target for road user emissions. But to be fair, that's only partly under its control. What's more under its control are its own emissions, corporate and those created by maintenance and construction. And where it has control, it, helped by its industry partners and new innovations, is being much more ambitious. Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Bernadette Ballantyne. In this episode, we've partnered with Tarmac to talk about some of the key technologies it and the roads industry are exploring. Not just to bring the industry's carbon emissions down in line with the net zero goals but how they are thinking outside the box to make road transport more sustainable in other ways, to take a key waste product of motor travel and find a use for it in the road itself. This episode will be joined again by Brian Kent, the National Technical Director for Tarmac, who's spoken to us previously in episode number 84, Asphalt of the Future, and number 89, Blue lanes in the black country. He has three technologies that he thinks will help make the difference in our efforts to mitigate the climate emergency. But one of his ideas, the single most important thing he feels the road industry needs to adopt, has taken nearly 10 years to be accepted as standard practice. So before we meet Brian, we'd better understand how things work in the UK roads industry how new ideas are agreed, and what exactly it means when they are. National Highways has brought forward its net zero target for road maintenance and construction ahead of the government's 2050 target by 10 years. A key part of this 2040 net zero ambition is of course what goes into our roads and how it goes in. Luckily, someone can help us with that. Yes, my role with the National Highways is a senior pavement advisor. I'm responsible for a set of uh, design manual for roads and bridge standards. Uh, they cover pavement design uh, for new construction and upgrading the existing road network. 
This is Robin Hudson Griffiths. As well as the design manuals, he also undertakes traffic calculations to facilitate new pavement design. Pavement is what the industry calls any asphalt surface, generally a road. Day to day, I uh, run a um, collaborative research task with uh, industry partners, Mineral Products Association and Eurobitume UK, where we look at developing and research into new pavement materials, systems and processes. The most significant part of his work, as far as we are concerned, is the specification for highway works. Yes, it's performance based and it's the uh, specification that governs road materials that are used on national highways network. So it's sort of like a toolbox, if you like, uh, of different materials that can be used to construct uh, pavements. This specification has safety as its top priority, but it has fitness for purpose too. And it also has regulations for the correct governance process. Routes to implementation through various technology readiness levels, so from sort of concept through to off-network trials to network trials. And then after successful network trials, we'll implement a specification so it can be used without restriction anywhere on the strategic road network. It's constantly evolving. And one technology was included in the specification for the first time last year, something we've spoken about before. The technology that is, according to Tarmac, the most significant sustainability improvement for asphalt in a generation. Warm mix. Tarmac first started looking at it back in 2011. It was actually part of a three-year project with the Carbon Trust. The Carbon Trust is a not-for-profit entity that advises business on how to be green. It's designed to be distanced from government to speak to business on its own terms. The Carbon Trust incentive at the time was purely reducing the carbon footprint of the asphalt industry, which we're still striving for now. And after the three-year project, we produced a report. Working with the Transport Research Laboratory. Which explained what warm mix asphalt is and its benefits. The quick rundown is that warm mix is produced and transported at 150 degrees C, compared to the 190 degrees C of traditional hot rolled asphalt. Additives allow this 40 degree reduction in temperature, reducing energy consumption and reducing carbon emissions from asphalt production by 15%. The UK produces some 25 million tonnes of asphalt every year. And if it entirely switched over to warm mix, the country would save around 60,000 tonnes of CO2 per year. That's around 500 million kilometres of car journey. Unfortunately, since publication of that report, um, it then took another eight years to get into specification in this country. And I think that's one of the issues we have in this country is how long it takes to embrace innovation and actually enjoy all the benefits coming from it. Now, as I said earlier, lowering the carbon footprint in the industry is fundamental and it's so important to us and it's something that all suppliers are striving for. The lower temperature also means more can be laid in one shift and the finished surface can be open to traffic sooner, reducing the time taken to lay the asphalt. 
as well as a lower carbon footprint, you have a material that cools quicker on site, therefore you can open it earlier for traffic. You can, if you can lay more material during a working day, you can shorten your overall working programme. So there is evidence of nine day jobs becoming eight days or seven day jobs becoming five days. That in turn reduces public disruption. I'm a member of the public too. Reducing public disruption, fewer traffic jams, fantastic. Plus, for every 10% reduction in temperature, there's a 50% reduction in fumes, making it a more pleasant working environment and more pleasant for nearby residents. So you're cutting down in fumes, you're cutting down in visibility issues with steam, and also, very, very importantly, given the, the budget constraints faced by many authorities and clients, lower costs, lower costs on site. Because if you've carried out a job in seven days instead of eight days or nine days, and the days you're not there, you're not paying for labour, you're not paying for plant, you're not paying for traffic management. So, huge array of benefits for McSasphal. What we have now is a situation where after seven, eight years of pushing, we now have it in a national specification, which is fantastic. National Highways, we, we, we decided to introduce warm mix asphalt because of the wide range of, of benefits and efficiencies that warm mix enable. And also how they play a part in achieving our net zero plan. Anything that we introduce into the specification uh, needs to perform as well as uh, what we currently have, but if not better, it has to offer uh, efficiency savings and, and carbon reduction benefits. And warm mix asphalt ticked all, all these boxes. We trialled warm mix asphalt on our strategic road network first in 2014. And the site was monitored and we had to collect data gain assurance and confidence that it was performing as well as conventional asphalt. Making sure it offered the benefits that were claimed. Such as the temperature reduction, the carbon calculation reductions, and the benefits such as sort of uh, extending the working window so you can lay more asphalt per shift which then enables further benefits such as uh, improving customer satisfaction because you can complete your task, your road works earlier. Uh, it also improves like sort of pavement durability because if you can lay more asphalt per shift, you're reducing the number of construction joints in a pavement that can be seen as, as a weak spot. So if you reduce the number of construction joints, you can improve the durability. Then a draft specification is produced. Engagement with the industry supply chain to make sure that introducing the new technology wouldn't introduce any supply issues. Then they had to notify the EU Commission in case introducing the technology caused barriers to trade. It was first introduced into the specification for Highway Works in July 2019. And we revised our specification. We working with our supply chain, we made a few tweaks to make the material more durable. And we implemented the second specification, which is now known as Clause 908, in July 2021. And the reason this is so exciting to Brian and the industry is that prior to this, if a company wanted to use a warm mix asphalt for a job, they had to complete a departure from standards form. 
often the company in question would not be the tier one contractor, so they would have to go to the tier one contractor and cajole them into completing the necessary paperwork. And sometimes there'd be approval delays. It was an administrative burden that stood in the way of implementing a superior technology. But now it's been added to the toolkit, Brian expects to see it used more or less universally across the strategic roads network. There's no reason for any supplier not to supply Wormix now. And we'll have to finish off existing jobs that were laid under a hot mix basis. Any new contract starting now will be fully warm mix. With the exception of one or two niche materials that are inappropriate for warm mix. But hot mix will become unusual. However, for the suppliers, the job is only half done. They now need to convince local authorities to adopt warm mix for their roads. Otherwise, the production plants are starting and stopping all the time to switch between warm mix and hot mix. What you're doing is just stopping your plant intermittently. You're having to clean the plant out, you're having to feed aggregates in at different temperatures. We're not actually achieving the true sustainability benefits we can at present. If they can get warm mix universally adopted, suppliers can remove this inefficiency by running at one temperature for the entire day. Productivity is optimised, sustainability is optimised. It's actually been worked out that if the industry takes this approach and the clients allow us to take this approach, there's approximately 61,000 tonnes of carbon that can be saved annually. And that's equivalent of cutting 300 million car miles off our network. So, fantastic opportunity. We're now in a great position to actually obtain the benefits. Robin also advocates for this to filter through to local authorities. Well, I would urge local authorities to make the switch because we all have to work together in achieving net zero. And, and to make this work, we need the asphalt plants all operating at a, at a warm mix temperature range. It's not efficient to switch between warm and hot. And I can also advise the local authority highway that we've trialled over 300 schemes with warm mix asphalt over a duration of seven years. And we have not had any failures so that should provide some level of confidence that the material used on our heavily trafficked network is, is, is fit for purpose. And there's no, doesn't, warm Axial does not require any specialist equipment. It can be used using conventional asphalt plant and equipment. And it performs as well as conventional asphalt. The industry is looking for other sustainability wins and not just related to carbon. Brian and Tarmac have identified another problem they think roads can mitigate. Tarmac became aware of this about four years ago, that the UK and the rest of Europe has a really big issue now in disposing of car tyres. Because in 2006, the European law changed to say you could not put car tyres to landfill anymore. Now, in the UK alone, there are 40 million tyres a year that fall beneath the legal trade limit. And trying to dispose of the tyres since the law changed is an enormous challenge. Many industries have tried to use old rubber tyres. So we will burn them ourselves in cement kilns for fuel. They're used underneath sports pitches. They're recycled and remoulded into new tyres. But we still have a situation where 25% of these tyres have no home. 
So there's 10 million tyres a year being exported from the UK to Pakistan, India, China, Middle East. And we're basically just exporting their problem. We should be trying to keep UK tyres in the UK, solve our own problems. One way of doing this is to use them in asphalt. We find all the rubber down to about 0.5 millimetres, so very, very small particles. So we mix it into the asphalt at the production plant. The rubber itself has the benefit of uh, holding bitumen during transportation. So historically we would use cellulose fibres, we can now use the rubber, but the rubber also introduces other benefits in terms of some added flexibility to the pavement. So rubber by nature absorbs movement. So if you can imagine all these fine particles of rubber interspace throughout the matrix of the asphalt, you'll never see movement with your eye, but there is a small degree of movement there. They also hope that this will delay the onset of potholes as well, because these tend to form through brittle bitumen, the material not being flexible enough to cope with traffic or some underground movement that the material can't cope with. The data here comes from CRH Group, the largest asphalt supplier in the US. It's used rubber in its materials for nearly 30 years, so the data showing delayed crack propagation is there. Having the rubber in the mat should reduce some of the crack propagation and perhaps some of the potholes that start to form will take longer to become an issue. The process requires no change to the mixing other than adding the crumb rubber, and there are no major changes to transportation. With this material, the rule of thumb is that a kilometre of highway would use up to 750 tyres, and the environmental benefits come when you follow the statistics. It's 1% of rubber in the material, but that's equivalent to one tyre per tonne of asphalt. So if you think that the UK actually lays somewhere in the region of 24-25 million tonnes of asphalt a year, we could dispose of these 10 million tyres if we put our mind to it. And now, it's ready to use. And we've taken the process all the way through national highways and all the way through the BBA. The BBA is the British Board of Agriment, an auditing and testing agency. And we now have BBA approval and certification for general use on the national highways network, again, without departure, which is a fantastic achievement uh, in the space of two or three years. But again, it emphasises the, the client desire now for sustainability. There's no point in exporting 10 million tyres a year. We're basically passing our problem to other underdeveloped countries um, and we need to stop that. And we now have a way of doing it. So we're encouraging local authorities and national highways to embrace this opportunity to deal with an issue. And again, now they hope for uptake from enlightened local authorities. So the authority obviously would like us to consider environmental issues in everything and anything we do. This is Andrew Gudge. He is the operations director for Rehighways, which is a joint venture between Capita PLC and the London Borough of Barnet. It's the managing agent for highway works in the borough. So we, we have the opportunity to influence where the money is spent and on what products. So in Barnet, we have used some warm asphalt and crumb rubber product. Andrew worked with Tarmac to undertake a trial of an asphalt mix containing crumb rubber. Using core results and whatever information we can give them, traffic flows, loading, 
and obviously its uh, its location within the borough is either a strategic route or a heavy commuter locations. So Tarmac were keen, I think, to have a trial in Barnet, and there were a number of sites that were, were good locations. But we chose what we thought was the best location for the trial. For listeners that know London, it's a 600-metre county road called Hilltop in northwest Eleven, just south of East Finchley Cemetery. Aside from the durability of the pavement, for Andrew, responsible as he is for roads in a capital city, the ease and speed of laying is the critical factor. Road space is so critical in a London borough that the, the ability to get in, remove the existing surface course and lay a new one quickly uh, and through as limited amount of uh, possession of, of road space as possible are the, the, the real key factors for us. It's a bizarre industry where everybody complains about the state of the roads and then they probably complain even more bitterly when you try and do something about it. So We do do a lot of thin wearing course kind of inlays rather than full reconstruction because of that, that reason, you know, having long site possessions is not acceptable socially. The first trial at Hilltop was delivered successfully. We will now monitor its performance to see how much reflective cracking starts to become visible um, and any kind of deformation. That will be part of our monitoring of the trial site. I would say, again, with a lot of these urban locations, they are always vulnerable to utility works. So part of the trial will be to see how well the the product can be matched up and the aesthetics of the reinstatements. Andrew is now looking to roll warm mix asphalt with crumb rubber out for the 2022-23 resurfacing programme. So wherever wherever we can, that's what we will endeavour to, to deliver. It would certainly be an aspiration that we, wherever possible, will try and use these environmentally friendlier products. I think that's always the underlying kind of ambition. Highway industry uses a lot of virgin aggregate and a lot of non-recycled products. So whenever there is the opportunity to use some recycled material, be it wrap or... Wrap is asphalt that has been used previously, that's been scraped up, boiled and added into a new asphalt. In this case, some, some crumb rubber. You know, that's certainly something that we would encourage and endorse. Clearly, it can't have any kind of uh, negative effect on the performance of the material. We are confident that the crumb rubber um, certainly hasn't got a, a negative effect in the in the performance of the material. And possibly does have some some benefit to the performance. Uh, hence, the trial to to evaluate that. Barnet's open to innovation trials as long as there's a case for them, and Andrew carries out a number every year, looking for different ways he can contribute to the sustainability goals. Brian says that a number of changes have entered the roads industry in the last 50 years. The most noticeable one being that historically, roads were a lot thicker. Because in those days, perhaps budget constraints weren't as difficult as they are now. 
And obviously when you're building the road initially, you have to take a full structural approach to it. It has to be thick enough to perform over the 40 year design life you're looking for. When it comes to maintenance, road owners have to try to minimise costs. So we may need to take a more depth out of the pavement to truly tackle the problem, but we can't afford to. So we take off a thinner half of the pavement or 20% of the pavement and we replace that, which looks great to the public there and then and will perform better than the material taken out. But you're really just sticky plastering over the issue that's, that's further down in the pavement. Bitumens have developed, so we didn't have polymer modified bitumens in the old days. Polymer modified bitumens now give you more flexibility in the pavement, so where you're worried about underground movement, where the whole pavement may have moved over time. With a polymer, it's now absorbing that movement. So there, there have been fundamental significant improvements in asphalt technology over the years. If we were to go out now and lay a road that we laid 50 years ago, we would do it very differently. We would do it thinner because we've got better, tougher, more flexible materials, more flexible bitumens, a range of additives we can use, and better laying plant technology. And herein is the final easy win that Brian and many others in the industry are hoping to see adopted. One of the other um, innovations that many suppliers are pushing toward at the moment is, is a single layer technology. So if you think about specifications, your specifications have, have been present for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they were developed a long, long time ago, but technology was very different. So we have a very dated approach of, if we're going out to replace a carriageway, we'll take off 100mm material, we'll lay 60mm binder course and 40mm surface course, and that's what we tend to do. The reason we do this is that decades ago, if you laid the material too thickly, workers would be worried that they wouldn't be able to compact it well enough, and the road would be brittle. Innovation and technology has moved on tremendously. The type of pavers we use now are so much better. A paver can give you 90% compaction now before the roller even gets to it. The type of rollers we use are bigger, they're more powerful. The material technology has moved on. We have different bitumens, we have different additives. There really shouldn't be a concern anymore in laying material a little bit thicker. If you can lay the material thicker, you can lay the road in one layer. This allows for shorter programs, shorter intervention times. You're not there for two days. You're not there for a full day. You're there for one day or you're there for half a day. You're not waiting on the first layer to cool down before you put the second layer on top. So there's a huge advantage there in terms of reducing public disruption again, but you can also lower costs. So instead of taking out that full 100 mil, you actually may decide you only need to take out 80 mil. So if you're not taking out as much material, you're not paying for it to be disposed of, and you're not paying for 100mm material to come back in, you're paying for 80mm material to come back in. And many local authorities will use this in footpaths, in low-speed roads, then they move on to using it in high-speed roads, roundabouts. They see the advantages and they embrace it. But as I said with the warm mix, it's very disjointed. You have certain local authorities that can embrace innovation, and others that don't seem to be able to. Procurement is also an issue. If you're successful in the contract with local authority, it's based on what you were asked to price during your bid. When then you go back and say, I want to do it differently, 
some procurement departments say, well, we, we can't do it differently. That's not fair to the other suppliers because maybe they could have done it differently. You priced to do it this way, you need to do it this way, but you're not embracing innovation and you're not enjoying all these benefits you could have. So we need to encourage local authorities to find ways of embracing innovation within any procurement barriers um, or overcoming procurement barriers because the public want these benefits. The local authority with stretched budgets must need these benefits. And I think that's the message now the industry has to the client is we've encouraged to innovate and develop for over a decade now. We spend a lot of money as suppliers and research and development. We have our own laboratories. We work with universities. We work with material suppliers. We come forward with innovations, but they need to be embraced. Engineering Matters is a production of Rebe Media. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alex Conacher. My co-host was Bernadette Ballantyne. Sound Engineering by Ross McPherson. Series Supervision by John Young. And our own ambitious innovator is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, Tarmac. And thanks also to our guests from National Highways and Re-Highways. Thank you for listening. You can find Engineering Matters on all podcast apps, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. And don't forget to check out our website and sign up to our newsletter for the latest engineering announcements and developments from around the world.